with today's reading about the miracle at Cana in Galilee, you might not realize it, but we actually still have a little bit of a continuation of the Christmas cycle in the history of the church. That's because traditionally the Feast of Epiphany, which we celebrated now two weekends ago, the word of course means manifestation, but traditionally that feast day focused on three manifestations of Jesus, answering the, the kind of the question of what child is this? Who is this newborn that we celebrate at, at Christmas, the nativity? Epiphany is about the manifestation of who Jesus is and his mission. There are three manifestations that have been traditionally celebrated on Epiphany and have kind of spun off into their own feast days of sorts. The first is, of course, the arrival of the Magi to show that Jesus has been manifest as the Messiah, not just of the Jews, but really the savior of the whole world. So there's that first manifestation, the arrival of the, the Magi. The second manifestation we celebrated last weekend, the baptism of the Lord, in which Jesus is manifested as being the beloved son of the Father. We, we hear the voice of the Father from heaven. What greater epiphany or manifestation could there be? But the third uh, manifestation celebrated on Epiphany is, is actually the miracle that we see in today's gospel, the water turned into wine. And if you celebrate the, the liturgy of the hours that the priests and sisters and nuns, brothers pray every day on the Feast of Epiphany, there's actually prayers that refer to all three of these manifestations for the celebration of Epiphany. So this, this third manifestation or epiphany of Jesus points not so much to uh, his, his birth or, or even his baptism, but in the water into wine, it really kind of points to what is the mission of Jesus. And when we think of that, we might not think of Cana in Galilee. And yet this is his, his first miracle, deliberately chosen, and it is a sign of the, really, the, the super abundance of spiritual joy that Jesus has come to bring. How many of you would think that, you know, if you had to sum up the mission of Jesus, that that would be it? Yet right here at the beginning, we see that Jesus takes an, an apparent lack. The, the wine has run out, a very practical problem. There's a wedding feast and they have no wine a very practical problem, but it points to a much deeper spiritual problem. The world at the time of Jesus lacked the supernatural divine joy of being one of God's chosen people. Jesus, the Messiah, the Savior, has come to bring it back. And as we see today in this miracle, to bring it back in abundance. Oftentimes in my, my prayer, when I, I feel like Perhaps I'm not feeling so much the spiritual joy of God. I will meditate on this passage, now one of those luminous mysteries of the rosary that Pope St. John Paul the Great gave us. I will meditate on this passage, and particularly the, the very brief intercession of our Blessed Mother, where she simply comes to Jesus and says, they have no wine. I will often make those words my own in my prayer. As I ask the intercession of our Blessed Mother, 
I'll be like, Mary, I have no wine. Or when people seem down and the whole world is depressed as certainly COVID and winter and now snow, it, it can seem to sap a bit of the spiritual joy, can't it? My prayer is often, <laughs> they have no wine. The joy has, has gone out. So what do we do in these situations? Well, the first one is, of course, to, to pray. Whenever we find ourselves in what St. Ignatius and the other spiritual masters would call desolation, and here we talk of spiritual desolation, although sometimes actual you know, physical desolation. Maybe we really are psychologically depressed, and winter can kind of do that to, to everybody. Well, one of the great things to do is, is to recognize it. Okay, I'm, I'm depressed. I'm in spiritual desolation. Well, then, after we recognize it, we can, we can actually do something about it. And the first thing we should always do is, is pray. And that's where the intercession of, of Mary coming first and foremost in this gospel story is so important. Notice that the first miracle that Jesus works comes because of the intercession of our Blessed Mother. She is so attentive. She sees what's going on. She notices. She's what we would call today maybe kind of an empath. She's able to notice what others are feeling. She notices the suffering of others. She sees the situation well. She is the one to notice they have no wine. How much we need people like that today and I especially appreciate friends who can kind of know how you're feeling almost without you having to say it. I, I always try to reach out to people in, in that way that I think maybe are, are down, are suffering. Maybe they need a visit or a, a phone call. Be that kind of person. So start with prayer. Mary, we need your help. Can you intercede for us with Jesus? Can you see we have no why? So that's a, the first step whenever we find ourselves somehow in desolation or down or we wonder how do we make a difference in this darkness? Well, pray. But then also, after we've prayed and asked for intercession, the rest of this miracle story, it, it shows us that there is, in fact, something we can do. There is a part for us to play. And that's what I love about this particular story, because the miracle that Jesus works is dependent upon the participation of others. And by that, I mean, look at what he asks. There are six stone water jars there, and they are not full. A, a great kind of further pointing to the fact that there's a lack. They've run out of wine, and these, these water jars are at least partway empty. Now, here's the participation part. Notice that these jars, they're stone, and they hold 20 to 30 gallons. When I pray through this passage and I imagine what it would look like, the fact that, that struck me is a, a stone jar that holds 20 to 30 gallons cannot be carried. You are not going to carry these jars to a, a well or something. No one could carry 20 to 30 gallons of water, yet alone the jar. And having actually been to Cana, myself, in the Holy Land, the, the stone jar itself that this would go in, they found them archaeologically, they would weigh over 150 pounds themselves. So when we interpret this miracle, we have to say, first of all, the jars did not move. 
too heavy. So how did they get filled? Well, the servants to fill them would have had to have taken smaller vessels and gone to a, a well, a, a stream maybe, and, and filled up little jars, brought it back, dumped them into the big jars, gone back, repeat, over and over. How many trips, I wonder, would it have taken to carry 20 to 30 gallons times six? How far would they have had to go? And these are the, the things that I imagine as I meditate on the scripture. So I imagine these servants, you know, going, maybe each of the servants, 10, a dozen times to a, a well to go, to come back, to dump their what would have taken a lot of effort. It would have taken a lot of time. But here's the little detail that I, I think sometimes we miss. Jesus says, fill the jars with water. And then it says, so they filled them to the brim. It seems like such a simple detail, but if you think about it, if I'm one of those servants and I'm told, go fill these jars, I, after maybe six or seven trips to the well, I would have been like, eh, it's full enough. I don't need to keep filling it. I've gone enough. They're full. We, we've got over 100 gallons of water here. That's more than enough. But they don't do that. It says they fill them to the brim, which means each one did the maximum they could do. They filled the jars as full as they could possibly fill them. Now notice, they don't know what's going to happen. This is just water. It seems so small. In a wedding that has run out of wine, what does it matter if I have 120 or 130 or 150 gallons of water? There's more than enough water. It doesn't matter if I go one more time to the well. That would be the, the normal thinking. But these servants, they do the maximum they can do, and they fill the jars to the brim. And then the miracle takes place. And of course, we know Jesus turns all that water into wine. Immediately, the, the lack goes from lack, from need, to superabundance, overabundance of fulfilling the need. Notice, though, that if the servants had not filled the jars to the brim, when the miracle occurs, there would have been less of a miracle, less wine. They didn't know the water was going to become wine. But if they had done less, the miracle would have been less. And so I think the second answer to what do we do in desolation, depression, first pray, but secondly then, do what we can do, even if it seems small. Really, I'm gonna get one more jug of water from the well and put it in this already almost full vessel. What does it matter? But there's the key. We think that the little things don't matter. What does it matter? No, don't think that way. Fill them to the brim. Yes, pray as if everything depended upon God. Trust that he will do something. He will intervene miraculously. But, but then, Work, do as if everything depended upon you. What can I do? And for those servants, the only thing they could do is like, well, if he says bring water, I'm gonna bring water. And I'm gonna bring as much water as I can possibly bring. In depression, desolation, do the little things. The most you can do. My, my counselor the other day told me, Father Sean, I want you to get a sun lamp. Like, what? Yeah, you need a lamp that pretends to be the sun in the morning because it's too dark. You need the sun and there's no sun in the winter. Everybody, there's a whole industry. Just Google it, you'll find it. That's what I did. I'm like, all right, 
I'll get this little lamp. And so each morning as I pray my matins and lauds, my morning prayers, I have a little sun sitting right in front of me, electric sun. But there it is. It's a little thing. I actually think it kind of helps. And I, I guess it would, or they wouldn't sell so many of them. It's a little thing. So I did that. I need to go out and I need to exercise. Oh, but it's cold out. I don't want to get out. So I go to the mall and I walk around the mall. I walk around the store. And then I, I made a list of things like, okay, here's some little things I can do during the day. Like, okay, change my toothbrush. That seems small, but I made like a little list of things. Like I'm going to put that book away that's been sitting on there forever. I'm going to put it back on the shelf. And I pretty soon I checked off a bunch of little things and it all kind of added up. I'm like, okay, I feel a little bit better. I feel like I accomplished some stuff. I don't know. My counselor's like, yeah, you, you did. Don't knock that. That's like real stuff you did. And that's why you feel better. Like, okay. Pray. Absolutely pray. God, please help us. I have no why. But then, secondly, work. Do stuff. Do the most you can do. Fill it to the brim with ordinary stuff that looks just like water. And what good could that do? Because therein is the miracle. Jesus will take the ordinary stuff and say, all right, I am going to multiply that super abundantly. And now you have wine. Now the spiritual joy is back. Now you have the beautiful life of feeling like God is close. Because the truth is, notice God was there even when there was an apparent lack. They were never really lacking as long as Jesus is there. It's like the miracle of Jesus walking on water, calming the sea, feeding the multitudes. All these epiphanies of the fact that if we had to say over and over, what is the epiphany about? It's that Jesus is here and he's got it. Don't worry. As we get ready to celebrate the Chiefs, I suppose, this weekend, there's a, there's a nice image of Patrick Mahomes that they always put up when everything looks bleak. It's like, he's like, hey, I got this. And he's looking so confident. All right, well, if Patrick Mahomes can inspire confidence, how much more so Jesus? I got this. Don't worry. Pray. Work as if it depended upon you. But then the third is just trust. Jesus has got this. That's the ultimate revelation of epiphany. Yes, Jesus is here. He's here for the multitudes. He's the beloved son through his baptism. And in the wedding feast at Cana, he is manifest as the one who has come to take lack, depression, desolation, need, and turn it into superabundance of satisfaction and joy. So today, as we come in the, the middle of winter, dark, snow, ice, depression, COVID, desolation, unemployment, sickness, you name it, lack, 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 all over, suffering, depression, pray. Mary, help us. We have no wine. And then trust that if you do everything you can do, Jesus is going to work a miracle because he's here. He's got this. Superabundance is just around the corner.